and welcome to Inspiring Women Leaders, the podcast about leadership by women only, from which everyone can learn. Inspiring Women Leaders aims to showcase the extensive leadership knowledge and practical skills of its incredible guests, and to both inspire and educate its listeners, helping them acquire the know-how necessary to become better leaders themselves. Without further ado, I'd now like to welcome my guest. So please, sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of Inspiring Women Leaders. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Inspiring Women Leaders. Today, it's my pleasure and an absolute honor to welcome to the show my friend and fellow physician coach, Dr. Diana Mercado Mamarosh. Dr. Mercado Mamaros is a family medicine physician, clinic medical director, and chief medical officer. She's also founder of Overachieve Life Coaching, a company designed to help physicians and medical students create systems that are so simple that, in her own words, even someone with ADHD can implement them via group coaching. For the past decade, prior to discovering life and ADHD coaching, she was someone that had 200 charts open and a graveyard of unfinished projects. But all that has now changed. She's now on a mission to help physicians and medical students create systems that support their zone of genius and reclaim five to 10 hours per week of their personal life. Her clients learn to leave work at work. She's happily married, has a three-year-old daughter and a four-year-old son. She enjoys travel, painting, Zumba, yoga nidra meditation, and exploring different cultures. So welcome to the show, Diana. It's such an absolute honor to have you. I'm so pleased to see you. Thank you so much. This is going to be so amazing. I can't wait to chat with you today. <laughs> cool. Thank you very much. So um, in, in your own words, uh, please, would you tell the audience a bit more about yourself, including what your current work roles are and what leadership positions you currently hold or have held in the past, please? Sure. Um, you know, I'm a family medicine physician. I'm in Texas. Um, I've had all kinds of roles. You know, I actually, when I think back, even all the way to like middle school and high school, I was always running to to be the president of this, the president of that, or the treasurer of this, secretary of that. I mean, that's just always been my um tendencies and I didn't realize why until like I guess when I finally got diagnosed with ADHD during my first year of med school I realized that it was because I was trying to have a seat at the table to change things so that they could be easy for me to implement so that I could have a say so on how to do certain things so like um And I think it was because I wanted to um, be inclusive of everybody and I wanted to make sure that everybody felt like they were being heard. And, And I know there's a difference from being heard and actually changing the system, but if you're not even aware that something might be wrong or if you're not even um, allowed to be in the room where change can happen, then um, nothing nothing happens, right? So uh, I, I think the leadership roles that I have carried throughout my life, you know, have always been uh, there to facilitate that. So of course, in residency, I was the chief, you know, resident. And of course, I was managing everybody's business, right? And uh, (laughs) oh, my God, that was fun to try to keep uh, everybody's 20 doctor schedules aligned and on call and covered. Uh, But it definitely teaches you to be able to step into people's uh, strengths and to be able to um, allow them to shine in their zone and then to facilitate whatever they might not be uh, so, you know, keen on doing so that everybody uh, can, can, can function better. And so, yes, then of course, I, in my mind, I, would, I, I never doubted I would become a medical director one day. I thought I was probably going to be in my 50s when that happened. Little did I know I was going to be when I was 35, right? So it's crazy <laughs> how, how things just kind of fall into place. Uh, again, I think as you keep showing up and you keep speaking up, and, and now I know that 
you know, ADHD can be um, something that allows you to say out loud what other people might be thinking, (laughs) but we already kind of said it because we didn't have that impulse like response to like wait a few minutes to, but I think it's things that need to be said and you can still uh, at least get people to think about stuff. And then later on, um, two years ago, a year and a half ago, I became the chief medical officer of my hospital. Uh, And of course, all amazing timing, right, with COVID and all. And so so that was fun, of course. But I think the whole time, my focus was, how can I help? my mental health? How can I help my colleagues' mental health? And how can I help my patients' mental health? And it, it, it always went back to um, not being judgmental and, and really thinking because there was times that I wanted to be mad because why are people not wearing masks? They're putting me and my family at risk. Yeah. But oh, stepping into it from the, the point of like, okay, what if they really genuinely think that this is not a thing? Like, why would they want to like do X, Y, C if they haven't been educated properly? So I really had to like think about it from different angles so that I wouldn't like work myself up and like be so mad at the world uh, for whatever we were going through because when we went through training, nobody said, hey, one day you're going to be in the middle of a pandemic. And so there was no no set of instructions. But honestly, yeah. even if there were, I don't know if I would have followed them. So here we are. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, as uh, as well as I know you and uh, uh, we don't know each other that well, but um, we're, we're working on it. Uh, I can, yeah, I, I definitely get a sense of that, but I, I, I think that's, that's fantastic. That's your, that's your strength, actually, you know, speaking up and calling stuff out and, and a couple of things you said there. Um, it's, it's, um, it's very prevalent, isn't it? That people who are diverse, whether they're uh, neurodiverse, whether they're ethnically diverse, um, the sexuality diverse, what, whatever diversity it is, think, oh, you know, What's, what's the point in going for that leadership role? You know, it's not, not going to achieve anything. Nothing's going to change. I'll be the token person on the committee and I'll just be ignored anyway kind of thing. And the number of times I hear that and I always say, well, look, you know, you might be that person that actually is heard and is able to make a difference. But if you're not at the table, you have no, you have no influence at all. At least you have potential to have influence. So I love, I love that you, you know, thought like that at a very young age and where I'm we're ambitious for medical leadership and I I just love I've written down here skyrocketed to leadership you know I'm going to be a medical director in my 50s and then at the age of 35 you're a medical director and you know know, knowing you as I do really there was only you could have had any doubt about that I I I look at you and I think you know she is an incredible person there's no doubt in my mind that she she would have made it um a lot earlier than that so thank you so much for for sharing that with us so so it you've already told us a little bit about this but um in a in a sort of a nutshell what what would how would you describe your personal leadership style yeah so i think my personal leadership style is um seek to understand before being understood. I think most of us, and believe me, people with ADHD, we want to talk. <laughs> <laughs> but having that mindfulness to be quiet and let the other persons say what they want to say and really listen, not yeah. judge them but really try to understand where they're coming from because then you can start to approach them and you to make it a winning situation. It could be win-win instead of like, how can I da-da-da-da-da, you know, even if you think that both both of you are like, you know, North and South and you're like way, like there's no way, you know, that you would ever get to a place. I I think 
you first have to understand the other person. You don't have to agree with the other person mm. and you don't have to do what the other person says. But if you give them the respect of even trying to understand where they're coming from yeah. and then showing them how if we do X, Y, Z together, it can get us one place. It's such a big difference. I'll give you an example that I I guess I didn't realize I was doing this, but I've been doing this all along. Um, I was a junior in high school and I had gotten uh, accepted as a sophomore to go to this program in Washington, D.C. It was uh, world leaders, da, 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 and it was like, I don't know, $1,000. Okay, for that, for somebody like me, where I grew up, like that was like, you know, $10,000. Like that, that's mm. just the way it was. Mm. And so I, my mom got, you know, she's like, okay, well, we're going to sell some tamales. We're going to do whatever raffles, whatever we need to do yeah, to fundraise so you can go. So I go amazing. Right. Next year, guess what? I got invited back. So I approach my my principal at that time, I was like, hey, what do you think? Can I go again? Like, I, da, 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 da. And I was like, and what about like you guys pay a part of it? Because I'm representing your school. I'm da, 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 right? And then they said, well, you know, why would you want to go again? You already went last year. And so I was very clever. And I said, hmm, so you're telling me that you don't drive to the same place every single day to come and teach and work with the same colleagues every single day and different students I go so you're you're telling me that doing something the same it's always gonna be the same and it's not worth it so why are you coming I said I'm gonna I go why do you let the the people who if they were in the state playoff last year why do you let them go again to play football or to go run or to go do whatever. They already went mm -hmm. last year. Why would you want to set, send them again? It doesn't make any sense. I go, why do you only allow athletes to, to thrive, but mm -hmm. not people who want to make a change in the world in leadership yeah. positions? This doesn't yeah. make sense. And then he's like, Diana, how much do you need? You had me at hello. <laughs> <laughs> uh. So, like, here's the thing. I told them, you know, I might have to fly to the same place in Washington, D.C. I go, but the people I'm going to meet are going to be totally different people from all over the world that one day I might get to know. Yeah. yeah. And so I think that it is in seeking to understand. I, mm. I asked him. I heard him. Mm. And then I said back. Look, you do it too. We all do it. But the things that are worthwhile, we repeat because every time it changes us. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. There would have been different participants to meet, different facilitators. And yeah, the whole, you know, different conversations would have been had. So different opportunities for learning. Yeah, of course. Of course. Makes makes sense uh, to, to you and me. Um, but that's a, that's a great example. Um, yeah, uh, I mean the the whole the whole listening thing is something that you know we're taught at medical school. You know, listen to your patients, ask open questions. You know, don't close them down, don't interrupt them. And then again, we train coaches. We're taught to hold space to let people speak, to give them unconditional positive regard, i.e., not judge them. So you are, you know, kind of living, breathing example of. The, the best medical student and the best coach, you know, by doing all that. And you didn't even realize you were doing that because it was way before you were a doctor and a coach. So yeah. great, great to hear that. Thank you. So, um, yeah, can you tell us about your journey to leadership then to your, um, you know, I, I mean, obviously thinking about your clinical, you know, director roles and so on and chief medical officer roles, but also, you know, you're, you're a leader in the field of, coaching physicians with ADHD so tell us a bit yeah. about that I think it goes back to the same thing like most of us want to think uh 
I have nothing to say. Who am I to say? Da, 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 da. But I keep challenging myself and asking myself, well, what if you don't say what you need to say and somebody else does not benefit or somebody else continues to think that they're the only ones who are doing X, Y, and C, right? Mm -hmm. And so because of that, that those are the my thoughts that have always propelled me forward. Mm -hmm. So in medical school, um, I didn't see a lot of people that, you know, looked like me. So I wanted to make it a point to be very active in the Hispanic club and try to attract more people. And, and like, even though we were like maybe five Hispanics, like we, it, you wouldn't have known, like we took, we put together some salsa, uh, like events. It was amazing. We would draw like hundreds thousands of people we would fundraise money we would use that money for scholarships to attract more and so it ended up being that by the time I graduated medical school all of a sudden you know UT Health Science Center in Houston became from being like I don't know 50th in Hispanics to being number four right wow. like why because you keep showing up and you keep being you and you keep you just keep letting people know that, hey, I'm here and you can be too. You don't have to like not be. And so with me, with my ADHD, I think I was in the closet. <laughs> I didn't want to tell anybody I had ADHD because I felt ashamed. It was my thoughts that that made that it was you know, no, people were, were going to judge me, I, I, you know, different things like that. And, and it was because I wasn't, a, I guess I, I wasn't told that, hey, you could do it your own way. And it's okay. I was just told, okay, well, here's some meds, and good luck. And that's it. Yeah. And then, you know, I become a, a, an attending and they're like, well, you don't need to come here anymore. You need to like go see, uh, you know, this is the health, the student health. You need an attending. Just go to any, you know, other physician. Just you don't need to come to the student health. So I do. I pick a random person. Uh, you would think in Houston, it's, to me, it's the mecca of the world of medicine. So I should have been able to pick any physician, any attending, a psychiatrist. But the first one I pick tells me, well, you're a physician. You should know better. You outgrow ADHD. So that's where I then neglected my diagnosis mm -hmm. for 10 years. And that's why I said I was in the closet. And it mm -hmm. was not until the pandemic hits that I'm like, oh, shoot, whatever mm -hmm. systems I was kind of trying to use uh, just were not enough. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. and so that's when I was like, okay, wait, I'm already using coaching. I'm having like big strides, but I can't still ignore that. This is just the way my brain works. What if I become curious? What if I start to lean into it and start to see my strengths and use my mm -hmm. strengths instead of working against my strength or against myself or my tendencies. And so with that being said, I think that made a big difference in me then deciding that, you know, 20 to 30 hours of outside of work charting was just not acceptable, that I was not yeah. being compensated, you know, that that was about five to six thousand dollars that I wasn't getting paid every two weeks, you know, ended yeah. up being about fifty thousand dollars times ten. That's about half a million dollars yeah. of uncompensated work, right? Yeah. In yeah. a decade. And not to mention like all those eye rolls that your partner gives you because you tell them you're about to be done and you're not done and you you right. charting like as you're trying to go on vacation and all that stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's when I realized, okay, I'm pretty sure it's not only me. I mean, there's statistics out there that show that, you know, in 2016, one third of the medical class, you know, in the U.S. said they had ADHD. So I'm like, some of them became physicians. So it's not yeah, just me. Yeah. People are just not talking about it. So let's talk about it so that we can, once it's out there, then you can make changes, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's with everything. You don't know what you don't know. And if you don't talk about it, it's like the best kept secret, but it's the yeah. secret that's eating you up that it's not allowing you to. But now yeah. if you know, 
then you can do workplace accommodations, use a timer, maybe uh, modify if you're somebody who's a morning person, maybe heavy loaded on the top and light loaded mm-hmm. on the bottom or decide, okay, well, maybe I need a scribe or decide, okay, maybe when I'm on call at the hospital, I'm going to have a lighter load in the clinic so that mm-hmm. I don't have to multitask as much, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, the, the point is that one just has to speak about it because if you don't speak about it then there is no way for the leaders to be able to support you because you know unfortunately people with a, people have to understand that ADHD is a neurodevelopmental disorder that is going to present and impact executive function inattention impulsivity the emotional dysregulation and what happens is that unfortunately some of us can get labeled as unprofessional right yeah, because yeah. we're not finishing our charts or we're interrupting our colleagues in a meeting or we're fidgeting or we're mm. always late or whatever right but what if that person was not even aware that they were doing that yeah. like what if they thought but how come they don't see me i'm working like 40 hours outside of work how come they don't see i'm tr- st- struggling right and then yeah, you penalize yeah. them for like yeah. not doing their job but that's all they've been doing and overdoing and beyond doing right mm-hmm. and so i think as a leader i decided you know what <laughs> I need to educate other people to know this is how ADHD can look like. Maybe your colleagues have it. Maybe you can approach them and say, hey, this behavior, I wonder if you're aware of it. I wonder if there's something else there because... You know, most of us, like I, you you said it, uh, and I said it, I had an ungraveyard of projects. It's not like I didn't mm. want to finish them. But I was onto the next shiny object that yeah. would draw me yeah. in that was exciting, right? And so this is why it's so important for us to lean on each other as persons first, mm. right? Like, because if you don't, then you just start to see each other as like, their RVUs are down or da 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 right but it's we're all human first we're all yeah. somebody's husband or you know father or you know friend right so yeah. we need to do for others what we would want somebody to tell us like I'm so grateful mm-hmm. that my roommate when I was in medical school said Diana I see you studying like 90 hours a week why are you not retaining information? Like I mm-hmm. see you, like you, I ask you a question, you answer, but then you're like all over the place. And I don't know how you jump from that to that, to that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she's like, but you got to the right answer, but why did you take so many steps? And yeah. she's like, and, and how come you're only like answering? Like, she's like, you're not passing that test, but she's like, you, you had to way down in the last 30 questions and you only answered like you know uh two-thirds of it and that and the two-thirds you answered you got right and and so it's like you're just running out of time like what is going on you know and so i think it's it's being a leader means that you have to be able to just look around because we are like uh, you know the person in in your team, the weakest link, you're the weakest link too. Like we, we yeah. all pull each other, right? Yeah. So why not help your colleagues and help yourself if you're the one struggling? Asking for help is a sign of strength, but most of us are not even aware when the damn red light is on. Like we don't even yeah. realize <laughs> that, yeah. you yeah. know, we need to ask. Yeah. Yeah. And so obviously, you know, you, uh, using your own, your own experience, your own kind of like medical, um, condition you're like something has to be done about this and and you just you just owned it and you stepped into that role and now you are you know forging forging the way you know pushing boundaries and frontiers yeah amazing so um i'm quite interested to know if there were um in in your um medical journey and leadership journey if there are any doctors senior to you female or male that kind of helped you rise because obviously it was a very um, meteoric rise to your your medical leadership. So, did you have any uh, lift as you climb, kind of colleagues along the way? Yeah, I mean, I I feel like so. This is really funny, but 
I think all along, I don't know, people always say like, you have a North Star, like you're always at the right place at the right time. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I think, I think I am, but I think it's also part of me being resourceful and looking for opportunities mm -hmm. or making an opportunity where maybe there might not have been, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I... So there was two people I would think uh, were instrumental. Well, there's always more than two, but there's two yeah, that course. really come come to mm -hmm. mind. And the first one I would say would be the medical dean of my uh, school for medicine. Mm -hmm. At that time, I, and I was kind of talking to you about this a little bit earlier, um, mm -hmm. during my medical interview, and I just had one medical interview when I was applying for medical school. Most people have a lot of them. Mm. Uh, I had one during that time. Um, you know, it's they always tell you anytime you go meet with somebody, know a little bit about them or about mm. their institution or your job or whatever, so that it shows that you're why you're interested and what yeah. they have to win going uh, working with you and what you got to win working with them it has to be a yeah. win-win situation right mm -hmm. so when i applied for for medical school um i got one interview and I, during the interview i was asked you know if i had any questions at the end you know they always ask do you have any questions yeah. and so my question was i said i see and at that time mind you i didn't know i was speaking with the dean mm. uh, <laughs> <laughs> i asked so i see that you know in the last you know 10 years um the incoming class usually has about 10 percent of different ethnicities other than 90% of Caucasians. Is that like the norm? Do you all have mm. a quota? That mm. was my question. Do you right, have yeah. a quota? Okay, so that obviously um, raised um, a reaction from the other person. They probably thought I was calling them, you know, racist because I was speaking yeah. with a white female, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and she's she slammed her head, her hand on the, on the, on the desk. And she's like, there is diversity here. Da, 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 da. And she went on and on and on. And I was like, okay, well, I pressed the button. And then, <laughs> <laughs> so most people would have probably like been shocked by that, but I, I wasn't taken aback. And then I was like, you know, I said, the reason I asked that is because I'm Mexican-American. I grew up in Mexico till I was 10. That was my first language. I'm now in the U.S. I'm in South Texas, but it still feels like little Mexico. 99% of the people around me are in little Mexico. <laughs> it feels like that. It was not until I was a sophomore that I went to a program. Uh, it was called Upper Bound Math and Science, where I finally was surrounded by all these other ethnicities and amazing human beings. And I go, it changed me. I already knew in my mind that we were all different and that we were all unique at the same time. And I never questioned like one person being more valuable than another. All that was in my mind has had always been like a, a something that I had, but it was not until I lived it, did I really like, embodied it and like understood it I mm. said so so I want to make sure I'm in a place I said where I can have that diversity in my medical training in my colleagues in my so that I can treat my patients well and mm. I can grow as a person like like I do love all the cultures I love tasting all their foods I love all the religions I just love like the stories of what makes us who we are yeah. And why we do what we do. And so I told her that. And then she was like, and then I could see her like relax. <laughs> <laughs> because at first she was ready to attack me, right? Almost. <laughs> and then she relaxed. And then she said, you know, that's one of the things that I've been very passionately working towards. So then all of a sudden I had an ally. Yeah. She was now like, okay, this girl is kind of me. I'm going to do stuff to promote yeah. what she has 
like been trying to do in her own yeah. school of bringing in more ethnicities and so yeah. when i asked her that i didn't know i had pushed a button that she felt i was attacking her for like not having enough although that was her life work what she was wanting to bring into the world yeah. and do right yeah. and so yeah. So then I told her, you know what? And I told her, I said, because she didn't ask me, well, what, what are you going to do if you don't get in? And I thought she was doing it because, you know, I just pissed her off, right? <laughs> and then I said, <laughs> well, if I don't get in, I said, you'll see me here every every year for the next 10, 10 years. I'll be applying. <laughs> I'll be making sure my my application looks better and better and better. You know, I do understand my grades are not stellar, but I go everything else uh, in terms of like completion and my GPA, like that was amazing. And you could see mm. a trend from like so-so to like straight A and ending mm. up with a great GPA. I go, so you can, my four years or five years, uh, four and a half years it was that it took me because I did become certified as a, as a teacher. I go, it, it shows you that I am somebody who is willing to put in the work. So anyways, the point is that I then she was so instrumental in helping yeah. me grow through, throughout my medical career because I helped her set up those systems to attract more Hispanics, to attract more yeah. African American, to because I was actively helping her. Like I, I would screen the applications, I would interview people, I would talk to them during this stuff, and and mm. it just she gave me the the she took me under her wing and helped yeah. me to make an impact, to be in the room when, and to see how, Oh my God, they literally have two minutes to discuss your life. Like you have yeah. those two people in, who interviewed you. They put a timer, they talk about you in two minutes, the pros and cons and da, 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 da. And then your life is decided whether you're in med school or not. And like, she gave me, all that insight and allowed yeah. me to come back there and to say and to question some of those physicians who had thrown a person down or said no this one da, da, da. but she said no uh my medical student over here she has something to say da, 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 da. and like she allowed me to speak on behalf of some students who otherwise would not have yeah and so this is like how I feel like she showed me and she allowed me to be in the room to make myself yeah. available for the opportunity. So it could have easily been that I could have just stayed quiet and been like, well, I, I don't belong in this school. Obviously, I just have one interview. There's only 20 mm -hmm. people out of the 200 that and maybe three look like me. What are my chances? Mm -hmm. Why? Why yeah. do I even try? Right. Yeah. But that was one of the persons that was so instrumental. The other person, okay, so I was supposed to be, uh, well, not supposed to. In my mind, I thought, you know, you have an idea of your mind of what you want to do. I thought I wanted to do adolescent medicine, okay? Mm -hmm. And in my mind, I, I it was going to be this peachy thing where I'm just talking to teenagers all day and I'm just going to be telling them, hey, like, you know, your goals really define you and, you know, don't be sexually active too soon and da 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 you, you know, you have you have your whole life ahead, like explore da da da. I because in my mind, it was going to be like high school, like how I was teaching high school, high school students, yeah. you know, that's what I thought. Oh, no, adolescent medicine is not that adolescent medicine in the States, at least it's unfortunately, it's those people who really need your help because they're in bulimia or they've been sexually abused mm. or all these other stuff. So mm. it's a little bit it's not the cool people, not that not that the other ones aren't cool, but it's the harder cases that can be yeah. uh, not so like, you know, easy peasy or and not that that's bad, but. That was not what in my mind I had envisioned. Yeah. Anyways, so I went to like 10, 20 different interviews for being a pediatrician because eventually I thought I was I was going to go into residency at pediatrician and then do, then do this fellowship uh, into adolescent medicine. I ended up showing up at a friend's second look. She was being interviewed for a family medicine position and she was having like, they welcomed Baylor College of Medicine, welcomed them to come back so that they could then pick their applicants. Well, I went with her because free meal, why not, right? <laughs> so I show up for a free meal. Again, 
not knowing who I'm talking to, here I am talking to da 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 and telling them uh, how I had failed my step one with one point because my dad had passed away like two weeks prior and that I should have known better to like delay the and taking the test but I was yeah. like full throttle and you know anyways and then how I went on and passed it thereafter and got my meds changed and did some went and that I was ending late because I had purposely made myself take an eight-week course in the middle of my medical school I decided to stop everything go take like an intensive eight-week course to make sure I was going to take my test that there was no yeah. So anyway, so I, I'm telling him all my story and he's like, have you considered family medicine? And I was like, uh, no. And he's like, yeah, you know, I, I think you would be ideal for that. And so anyways, he's like, you know, I'm the medical director and da, 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 da. So he was the medical director for Baylor. Right. And he's like, he's like this program where you're here. He's like, obviously, this is not the one because he's like, you didn't apply. But there's this other program that is about to start. And there's like two spots. And he's like, and I can introduce you to the person that, you know, uh, if you wow her, you know, you're probably in because, well, his her husband is the dean of that. And so I was like, <laughs> oh, okay. So his name was Dr. Khan. That's the physician who um, was so instrumental. And so anyways, um, I went home that night. I changed all my applications. I he called all my like letters of recommendation. I said, I'm being a family medicine now. And so here we do that. And then I got in. So anyways, so the point is that you have to be open to opportunity. You have mm. to just, and then I do the same now. Anytime that there is somebody who is questioning anything, I drop everything and I talk to them because a conversation can change the trajectory of their life. Like that, mm -hmm. those conversations yeah. change the trajectory of mine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, wow. It's good. They sound, yeah, they sound really, yeah. Uh inspiring those uh those people that you mentioned yeah um now i, I don't want to i don't want to go down a, a sort of negative uh negative pathway but just want to know if, if you've experienced any challenges on your journey uh, on your leadership journey and and if so how did you cope with them and and move beyond them sure so i mean there's always been challenging challenges in the terms of like people misjudge you um or they don't 100 percent agree with what you're saying or your your leadership style like for me i want to have a meeting either one-on-one -on -one with each person if there's something going on mm -hmm. i want to talk about it and some people yeah. don't want to talk about it some people are like Nah, this is the way it's always been. We don't have to change anything. And I'm like, yeah. oh, clearly we do. There's people quitting. Mm. Something's not right. We need yeah. to discuss this. And and so when people try to be a like dictator to me <laughs> or try to tell me how to do my job, yeah. um, that doesn't go well, especially if you're not a physician who doesn't understand the complexities of what physicians have to do. Mm. And so I've gotten myself into trouble <laughs> uh, <laughs> telling people exactly what I think, you know. Uh, and but like I said, I, if it's it, it comes out wrong sometimes, but it's because it, I'm so passionate and I really yeah. believe that um, that there might be a different way. Yeah, and yeah. so. Uh, sometimes I have to, I mean, words are said, bad yeah. words are said, <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God, that was unprofessional. <laughs> and then I have to like, okay, I'll be back. I'm going to go do like a three minute meditation. And then we're going to talk again because that didn't go out the way I wanted it. Yeah. But you can see why it touched or hit a button. Yeah. So yeah. I've been, I've been questioned many times, and of course, uh, I have to remember that it's not about me. But yeah. sometimes we forget as human beings, like we take it very personal that they um, that they might be attacking me and my system. Yeah. 
but I I have to remember they're not attacking me or my sister. (laughs) I have to remember that they are trying to get an outcome and I'm trying to get an outcome. And so I have to go back to the take deep breaths. I'm sorry. That was not appropriate. This is why I got triggered. Yeah. Yeah. And and telling them owning it and then saying, this is how I wish things would be or why I why I want us to work together towards X, Y, and Z. Yeah. And so uh, there's been many times, of course, when I was a resident, that happened when, uh, because sometimes, of course, we have attendings that are above us and they just want to tell us. And it's like, uh, no, you can't tell me when to jump. I mean, you can tell me, but it doesn't mean I'm going to do it. And so uh, it's that like... Sometimes you don't realize that um, just because you're younger, you don't realize that you still have a say-so, even though you're not in that hierarchy, you can still yeah. have a say-so and you and you have to explain why you feel like it's in a different way. But at the end of the day, even if you don't change people's minds, you need to be true to your values so that... Um, at the end of the day, you still like yourself because you still have to like yeah. yourself at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So that's, yeah, no, that's that's really helpful advice. Yeah, be true, be true to your values. If things are spiraling out of control, just take a break take and a break. go off and, and have, have <laughs> meditate or, or do some breathing exercises and then and then come back and own it, apologize. And I, I, I found that... Um, more, more with patients when patient situations have got out of control they've really escalated uh, actually if you apologize and you reset it moving forward things are actually much better and much more productive um, yeah. you've got you've got that kind of tension out of the way and yeah. you can move forward so that's great thank you thank you for that um so yeah that's in addition to that really good advice around navigating your way through those kinds of workplace challenges. Have you got any other advice for our listeners on how to become strong and kind leaders? Yeah, to become strong and kind. Um, I think if you go back to the same thing, seek to understand mm-hmm. before that you have them understand you, right? Mm-hmm. Because when you understand, when you lead with when you you're compassionate towards others, again, even if you don't agree with what they're saying, yeah. it sets the stage on how you're viewing them. Because yeah. it's me, if it's if it's me against you, it's always gonna be an ego thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. But if it's this behavior, this outcome, then it, it takes it away from me and you. Yeah, yeah. It puts it into perspective of like the thing, right? Yeah. And so I think if you learn, if you want to be a strong leader, a kind leader, you have to um, always have that space between what it is that you're seeking, how, and it, don't put yourself as the one who has to do it. You have to be strategic and knowing the who can help you get to where you want to go if you don't know how, right? Yeah. And understanding that it's a give and take and you show up and you serve. And it might be that 10 years later, you can make that phone call, you know, uh, and thank them like I did, like a, like a year and a half I, uh, or a year ago, I, I called that dean that I was telling you. Yeah. And I sent her some flowers out of the blue. I tracked her down. She had moved to another institution. I tracked her down. I sent her a big plant. And I said, I could send you flowers, but they're going to die. I'm going to send you a plant because you planted that leadership in me. Yeah. Oh, that's really lovely. <laughs> yeah. That's so nice. Yeah. Oh, Um. Well, that's, I mean, that's, I think probably a good, a really good take, a take home. Um, But have you got any other, any other kind of final leadership tips or messages for the listeners? Leadership tips. Yes. Always invest in yourself. Mm -hmm. You are your best, best 
asset. I know that's usually what we don't want to do. We always invest in everybody else, but be willing to take that leadership course, be willing to get into leadership coaching, be willing to get into any type of coaching that it, or any type of therapy or any type of anything that's going to help you get to where you want to go. Because most of us will always say, oh, well, you know, I don't have time or that's too expensive. But remember, how much do we invest in cars? How much do we invest in houses? How much do we invest in our medical school careers, right? Uh, or sometimes purses. I mean, we might spend like insane amount of money on purses, right? And so think about it like investing in you, it's going to be the best gift because if your mind is correct if your spirit is correct if your health is correct because you're exercising you're investing in a gym membership or investing in yoga investing in whatever is gonna uh, refuel you then that's gonna be the fastest way for you to become an effective and an efficient leader because you're just gonna be the example of what is possible instead of just a theory of what is possible yeah that's great. Really good advice. Thank you. Um, okay. So I'm just going to um, kind of come to, to an end with a, a couple of things about, about yourself. Um, what are you currently excited to be working on that you'd like to share with our listeners? Yes, I am currently working on uh, my group coaching. I have a um, uh, a three-month group coaching for physicians or medical students. Um, the physician course, it's by itself, and the medical course, uh, the medical student course is by themselves. So they're two different courses. Uh, but, you know, you don't have to have ADHD to work with me. If you're somebody who feels like you have chronic <laughs> procrastination or if you have a time blindness that, you know, yeah. just gets you into trouble with not completing your charts or by not having enough personal uh, time and you feel kind of slave to your schedule, like you need mm -hmm. to come work with me so that we can set up some systems that will help you um, work in your zone of genius. And I know you're probably thinking like, I don't have any zones of genius, but believe me, you do. It, mm. You really do. Like um, in my group right now, I have, I've worked with like over 40 people in the last year, which is pretty amazing, I think. Um, and they're all, all specialties. I have endocrinologists, mm. I have psychiatrists, I have family medicine, internists, OBGYN, you name it, pediatricians, like PNMR, like all of them, even some like uh, amazing like insurance doctors that are in the works and changing mm. how to get how physicians get paid with insurances. So it's pretty mm. amazing to work with everybody has their own zone and, and they might not think it's a zone, but believe me, I don't want to stand there and do the surgery that they're doing. So mm. everybody has their zone, right? Yeah, and yeah. same thing. Like we, I'm like, I don't want to be catching babies at 2am. Thank God you do, <laughs> you know? So yeah. it's just amazing to uh, step into who you always want it to be. So that's what I'm working on right now. I'm doing yeah. my group coaching and that's, and I'm still full-time. I still work in the clinic and yeah. I am still, still uh, doing rounds. I used to also be the medical director for uh, the nursing home, but I gave that up as of January. I was like, okay, you got to decide. I want to do all the things, but I can't do all the things at once. You got to decide mm -hmm. what are the things that are not negotiable. And, yeah. and of course I, I wanted to make sure that I had time with my family. So that's why it's, you have to be strategic to have everything yeah. that you want and live and practice medicine in your terms. So that's what I'm yeah. up to, to these days. Um, maybe in two or three years from now, um, I might cut back. I might go like 50 or 70% clinical and then like either, and then the other coaching. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're an absolutely amazing example of what physician, a physician with ADHD can achieve um, when you just kind of, you know, open your mind and figure it out and so, so many doctors that you can help. So 
that's really fantastic um so finally if 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 any of our listeners would like to reach out to you what's the best way for them to do so and we'll put all your social media handles and things in the in the show notes but have you got one or two kind of key sure if they just want to go to my website uh it's adhd-lifecoach.com and uh on there they can you know send me an email through the contact me or they can register for any of my free master classes that i do once a month uh or if they want to uh go to my instagram uh that's beyond adhd life coach Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so they can just reach out and I do have a podcast too, but you could find it through my webpage, but my podcast is called beyond ADHD, a physician's perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so reach yeah. out anyway, and, uh, we let's collaborate. Let's see who, what we can do together. I'm so excited about any opportunities to bring awareness of, you know, how we all can be leaders and how yeah. we all can practice medicine in our own way. Yeah. Well, I can definitely testify to, collaborating with diana it's been it's been brilliant so uh and we've definitely we've lifted each other up haven't we so thank you for for everything you've done for me um do you have any final words final words um say no (laughs) (laughs) say no to things that don't align with you because um if you don't then unfortunately you're gonna be leaving other streams and not your own dream so be intentional with what you say yes to yeah that's good that's very that's very profound and uh very important yeah thank you all right so yeah thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing all your wonderful advice with um the listeners and uh i look forward to seeing you again soon thank you it was a pleasure thanks diana cheers bye Thank you so much for joining me and my guest on the Inspiring Women Leaders podcast today. I really hope you enjoyed listening to the episode as much as I enjoyed recording it. If you did, please download the show and leave it a rating and a review so that together we can share the amazing lessons we've learned from my guests with listeners far and wide and help as many aspiring leaders as possible. Most of my podcasts will also be uploaded to my YouTube channel, Dr. Adam, Physician Coach, So please check out my channel there and hopefully you'll find some videos on similar topics to watch and enjoy. Finally, I have some exciting new group coaching programs and a membership scheme in the pipeline. So please keep a regular eye on my website, www.dradamharrison.com. That's www.dradamharrison.com for updates. Thank you again for your time today. And please join me next time, two weeks from now, on Alternate Wednesdays, for another brilliant episode of Inspiring Women Leaders.